Welcome to the Tummy Team Journey podcast, where we share how functional core rehab can actually change your life. We share the stories of clients and professionals who have done Tummy Team programs, and we share so much more than that. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm passionate about helping people find profound healing beyond the physical healing, but also emotional healing to be strong and pain-free for the life they were meant to live. Welcome back to the Tummy Team Podcast, our Tummy Team Journey Podcast, and um, I'm excited to uh, share an interview with you today with an online client that I've been seeing for a while, um, Zara, and we have been doing, she is in core foundations, but we have been doing um, bi-weekly, monthly, sometimes weekly e-sessions over the last don't know six months to a year maybe um and kind of processing through um her birth recovery journey and so much more she has so much to share with you guys i want to introduce her to you guys and um hopefully this is going to be really encouraging to many of you hi zara how are you hi hi kelly thank you for having me um thank you so much for agreeing to do this i you know we've been working together for so long i'm when I was thinking about podcast interviews, I was like, why have we not done a podcast yet? But I think we had lots of other things to work on before we were at this point, because you're still in the middle of your journey. Um, yeah. So tell, share a little bit about yourself. Tell people a little bit about who you are and, you know, kind of where you live and how many kids you have and kind of all of that stuff. Uh, so my name is Zahra. Um, I've been married to my husband for four years now. We have two babies. Uh, my eldest just turned two in August, and my son just turned one last month. Um, so they are 14 months apart, and I live in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm from Saudi Arabia, but I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin for five years. Um, while studying my undergrad. Um, it's been six years since I've returned to Saudi. And I'm a stay-at-home mom to my babies. Yeah. Did you, so tell me what was going on when you started to look for help. I, we're going to, we have, there's, you have quite the backstory and uh, we're going to delve into that because I think, you know, I think that's important for people to understand what they might be feeling when they don't know what they're feeling, right? Yeah. Um, so the first time that I found the tummy team, I was actually seven months pregnant with uh, my son. Um, and I was looking for a splint. So I did this Google search on my phone. And I found your video on splinting during pregnancy. And... Um, but then there was the part where you have to measure to get the splint. And I was, it was right before I went to bed. And then I didn't really, I don't really think it through at the time. And I never got a splint back then. And then um, uh, when I really found the tummy team was when I was about seven weeks postpartum with my son. Um, I had a C-section with him. and. Um, I was this time I was really looking for options. Um I had a real I have a really I had a really wide DR and so um I went to several doctors and they were the only option that I had locally was um through surgery. And so I was looking for, you know, answers and that's when I found your website and I remember the first article that I read was the difference between a DR and a hernia. Because I thought I originally thought that I had a hernia. That's what they were telling me. And that's when I was like, yes, this is where I should be. And I just started reading up all the all the blogs that you had and watching all the videos. And yeah, I got hooked. Yeah. I think that that's a similar story to a lot of people. They they've been searching for information and our website, um, either through the blog, the, through the podcast, through the actual website, through our YouTube channel, um, is just packed with resources 
to help you understand what's going on in your body. Like that's our very first thing that we want people to know, to get the education. You know, that's what we want to, we give away for free before we even tell, you know, go to the next level because um, I think that we're craving trying to understand what's going on in our body. So tell, go, go a little bit further back. You know, I know you have some pretty, um, you know, traumatic birth stories um, and, you know, and even some other stuff. So go ahead and go a little bit further back. Yeah, going uh, a little bit of background story, I would say I would go back to my early 20s in college. Um, I had a lot of uh, major depressive episodes throughout my college years and I was severely depressed back then, and I, I, I would say I've been depressed on and off for the last ten years. And um, I, I took, I didn't take any medications for it long term, but I did take some antidepressants for about six months. And after I stopped them, I started having uh, bloating and digestive issues, and so. Um, this was back in 2012. So starting from 2012, I started developing really severe IBS symptoms. And um, and I had a lot of also issues with my periods after taking those meds. And so I, I saw a lot of specialists back then. I was trying to find answers. And it took me years to fi- to figure out how to keep them at bay. I mean, my symptoms. And I, I, what I remember from these years was, I was, I was exhausted all of the time. I had no energy, um, and it was it wasn't like it wasn't like I was in college. It was like I. Mentally, I couldn't focus, which I know is actually correlates with how people feel when they're depressed. Right. So um, I you, remember after, now that you know what you know, like in this process, yeah. you can see how um, the pain and some of the stuff that was going on in your core, whether it was digestive related or period related, um, led to some disconnect and some you know, just some, you weren't, you weren't connected to your core, right? It was, it was almost like this wound or this, this vulnerable place that you kind of withdrew from. And you can see now how that played a part in not really being able to feel yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because my tummy had always been my area of pain in my body. So as if I had to go back to as early as when I got my period, I always had really, really severely painful periods. And so I've always felt like that was an area of pain for me. And then when I started having these IBS symptoms, that was even more of a nightmare for me um, because they were so severe and I couldn't figure out a way to, um, it was everything. It was constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain. I mean, it was constant pain. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, and I remember after all these years of struggling with depression, I once thought that, you know, how come my body is still, you know, intact? How come I'm still standing? You know, how come I never, you know, fainted or, been taken to the ER or something because the the emotions that I were feeling were very, very like intense. That was how intense it was for me back then. And then um, uh, I got pregnant in uh, 2000 and uh, and I think it was, um, yeah, in early 2019, um, I was married for two years back then. And uh, preg- uh, my first pregnancy was fine, um, I, except for the IBS. My IBS symptoms really, really flared. And I started, I developed hemorrhoids around five weeks. 
and then an Arnold Fisher on top of that. So that was that pregnancy was really hard for me in terms of my IBS. Like, you know, with the nausea and everything, I, I was just really, really looking for answers and I couldn't find them. Um, and I remember I also went from you know, doctor to doctor, just trying to find some relief, and I couldn't. Did, did um, you feel like, um, because you were pregnant, do you did you feel like they kind of put those symptoms kind of in? Oh, this is partly because you're pregnant, and kind of dismissed it a little bit because, well, it'll probably be better when you're not pregnant. With yes. this, was that your experience? I feel like that's a experience a lot. If you have anything going on while you're pregnant, they're like, well. Pregnancy's weird. Pregnancy's weird, <laughs> you know. Like, and they kind of blow off some things. Um, yeah, I I remember thinking that it was pro- it wasn't because I was pregnant. I knew that for sure. But for them, it was like, okay, you're pregnant. There is nothing we can do. And it was more of like, there is nothing we can do in general. So just you know, put up with it. And I remember for my hemorrhoids. Um, I mean, I suffered for two whole years with extreme pain but then as soon as I started core foundations and I changed my posture and I learned it went away and um I remember thinking you know why couldn't they tell me that back then (laughs) they probably wouldn't have believed that that would have changed anything yeah because I, I mean I went to see a surgeon a few times about this I remember um especially postpartum because um the pain was just you know so severe um but anyways, going back to uh, my first pregnancy. So the pregnancy was uh, fine. Um, I my, I carried her very beautifully. I mean, I didn't gain a lot of weight. Um, and my tummy looked really, you know, round and healthy, my first pregnancy. Um, and the labor was also um, really good in general. I mean... Um, you know, I had educated myself a lot on, you know, having a natural birth and I didn't want an epidural or any medication and everything was fine until she was born. And she was taken to the NICU um, for five days because she has aspirated some uh, liquids um, before coming out. And that's when um, things started going downhill for me I would say okay you need to uh, (laughs) um I um my body changed a lot postpartum so um my tummy wouldn't go down even though I I remember it was just so weird like I still looked a little bit pregnant not that much but um I it was hard. It wasn't like, it wasn't soft, like, you know, I had gained weight. It it was really hard and I couldn't figure out why. And everyone kept commenting on it. And I also fell into a really deep depression after postpartum with her for about six weeks. I would cry the whole time and I did not take it easy. Um, uh, my first uh, after my first birth, I was um, wearing her in a wrap several hours a day for about four months uh, because at the time, uh, whenever I always heard, you know, the benef- the benefits of baby wearing. Nobody talked about how it's really hard on your core, and I thought I was doing a great thing by doing that, and. Um, I didn't take care of myself postpartum. I was climbing up and down the stairs. I was doing a lot of, um, you know, I would say physical, uh, things that were physically hard. You know, I didn't take the time to heal. And that um, powered through that postpartum stage. And do you think you also somewhat powered through the the depression a little bit just kind of yes. pushed it away pushed it away and just powered yes. through it did you have yeah. um, we've talked a little bit about this so I kind of know the answer but um did you have much uh support 
I know your culture is very different than the American culture. Um, did you have much like emotional support um, or, you know, practical support from your community, your family, your friends? Um, in terms of feeling depressed, no, um, I was really alone in that. Um, I was crying all the time, everything on a daily basis, and I couldn't understand why, and I couldn't talk to anybody. Um, in terms of support with the baby, my husband was uh, my first hand. He he was my rock. He um, he helped me out a lot, and he took care. You know, he did some levy, some heavy lifting for me in terms of taking care of her because. Oh, yes. Two weeks postpartum, I fainted. Um, and I've never been one to faint. So I just lost it. I was running on very little sleep. And uh, they took me to the ER. And I thought I was having a stroke because my hands were doing these really crazy things. And I was feeling really, really dizzy. And I think they suspected the same. But then they ran some tests and they just told me, you know, you're extremely exhausted, get some sleep, you know, get adequate food, you know, you need to rest. And then from then on, this continued for four months postpartum. So whenever I was exhausted, I would get really dizzy and almost faint. And looking back now, I think it was because I had a DR and I just didn't know it. And, and I was doing these you know, with baby wearing her and all these other things. and Yeah, and um, I think that I think that people could say, well, why would a diastasis cause something like that? But if you think about the fact that um, your body, if your body didn't, the corset muscle didn't heal and didn't pull together, your body is really functioning on a lot of compensation patterns. And it is exhausting. It, it, it's like, it's like uh, such an, it's like having a machine that's completely inefficient, right? And it just kind of breaks down every so often because it's there, it's missing a couple parts, right? And you keep running it and keep running it and you weren't resting. I mean, you were just continuing to power through, um, yeah. not knowing that there was really another, that you should rest. Um, yeah. Even though now, like, it, it's kind of funny, not funny, but it's kind of interesting. I'm how aware, knowing where you are now, how aware you are of listening to your body and how your body is communicating to you and honoring that and respecting that and knowing the tools you have. And you look back to that, that mama and you just yeah. ignored everything, right? You were just ignoring it, yeah. hoping it would, like maybe hoping it was going away or kind of resigned to, well, this is just how it is. And I still need to do all this stuff. And, and yeah, it's, yeah. It was from the very second day, actually, because she was in the NICU and I would, you know, walk the hallways to her. And like I said, my body had changed a lot after giving birth. I have a large chest to begin with. And suddenly I was huge and I couldn't find a bra that would fit me. And I was just so unsupported and I didn't know that I needed to splint postpartum. So I was just. I was just, I felt like this, I don't know. It, I, I think I would have benefited a lot from having a splint back then because I kind of felt like. Yeah, you were all <laughs> over the place. And the splint yeah. isn't magical, but it would have given you the feedback that you needed. That and in a bra, you know, like just think about the weight of your breast tissue kind of pulling you forward and then not having this core strength. Plus you have this history of complete disconnect from your core because of pain. Um, and then, you know, but, but, you know, you're in mama mode now. So your eyes are focused on what does the baby need? What does the baby need? Really ignoring, you know, just powering through your symptoms. And, yeah, and absolutely. that was my biggest lesson, I think, for me, um, after going through so much up until this point, was that after my first baby, I let go of self-care completely for me. And that's probably why I did not research what a DR was while I was in my second pregnancy, because I knew it back then that I probably had it. But I thought that, you know, to be a mama, 
and to take care of my baby, I had to let go completely of anything that's related to me or caring for me. And I think that also played a lot in why I was feeling so depressed because sure. I, I was the one that does this. And, and I don't even think we consciously do it sometimes. Um, but over time, we've created this message to our body that it would be selfish to do self-care because everybody needs me. Um, you know, we're not thinking how, yeah, because everybody needs me. I need to take care of myself so I can yeah. be there for everybody. We, we, that, that message just gets missed. Um, and, and it isn't selfish to do self care, but it, it feels like that in the beginning. Right. And, and when you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, and, you know, culturally, um, while I was pregnant, I heard a lot about, you know, preparing for birth, but there was there is not a lot about taking care of you after birth recovery. and yeah. healing and the fourth trimester and the importance of that. I had no idea what a DR was back then. Um, it wasn't even on my radar. I've never heard of it. I thought it was just, um, you know, something that's related to looks, like you want to mm-hmm. flatten out your tummy and that was it. Yeah. And, and so um, as soon as I started feeling better, um, Five months, I got pregnant again, and um, I was. <laughs> and then well, the pandemic. It's like you just kind of got your got your breath, <laughs> and whoop! Here we are again. Yes. All right. Yeah, and then the pandemic hit when I oh, was gosh. around ten weeks pregnant, and that really played um a big role in how that pregnancy played out for me because I was stuck at home uh with a baby for months on end. We couldn't leave the house for three months at all. Um we um we had really, really tight restrictions. And um so basically that's how my pregnancy went. I was just stuck at home by the end of my pregnancy. Um I was severely, severely depressed. I've never been that depressed before. And my tummy fell out um, by seven months. I was I was carrying him just fine. But then by the end of the seventh month, um, I developed what's called a pendulous uh, belly. So, um, so now explain that for people when you say my belly fell out. It's almost like that's when your diastasis just kind of let go. And now your uterus almost tilts forward like a torpedo. And and we have pictures of this sometimes on our site of like these torpedo bellies. And sometimes people will post a pictures like, oh, look at my belly. That torpedo shape um, is not a good sign. Because if you think about if you can kind of visualize how is the baby lying in that position and where is the exit yeah. there, there it's not can there's it's not lined up at all right yeah. and and so that's very difficult not to mention the weight of the uterus and the baby on it what's holding that up it's just skin muscle like like it's it's so precarious it's so precarious. Yeah. So that happened. You felt like almost a dramatic shift at the end of that seventh month where your body just kind of yeah. fell into that pendulous shape. Yeah. And it it wasn't even like a torpedo for me. It was even worse because his his head was lying in front of my pubic bone. So he was never in my pelvis. Um, it was like there was no support at all. And the thing is, with um, all the COVID restrictions, even when I went to my appointments, the my OB was so scared to check me. She never checked my tummy while I was pregnant. I I believe she would have, you know, figured out that I had DR had she done that or that something was wrong. Um, and the ultrasound tech, I don't think they really know a lot about this. So they when they were doing my ultrasounds. Nobody really told me um, anything about it while I was pregnant. So I remember I started. They might not know. They might not know even to check. I, I can't tell you how many um, 
continuing ed courses I've done. And I even spoke at the International Midwifery Conference. And um, a lot of midwives didn't even know you could check for a diastasis while they're pregnant. You know, they're like, well, that's something we deal with after. And even then, most of them didn't know how to check or didn't check because they didn't know how to fix it. They kind of had the same mentality. Oh, that just kind of happens. Some people get better. Some people don't. Sorry. You know, <laughs> but I, I'm not confident they would know to even look. But what I am concerned about, and maybe maybe this is also something they don't always know what to do about, but just the fetal alignment, like just the way your body was presenting, the, the fetal alignment had to be a red flag that this is going to be a precarious birth, you know. And uh, instead, they told me that this was going to be a very easy and fast labor since, you know, the first baby had no problem. You know, yeah. And since they're really close in age, so he she kind of paved the way for him. And um, I think that even if they didn't know how to check for a DR, had they just taken a look at my tummy, they probably figured out that something was wrong because I remember it was really like jello. It wasn't firm at all like uh, my tummy was with my daughter. It was just all over the place. And I'm surprised that my body had been able to carry him full term, given how weak I was. So um, the last month of this pregnancy was really, really tough. Um, I was in a lot of pain. I had period cramps and I felt like I was going in labor um, almost every day, but I didn't. And so I went overdue with him. I was I was around 41 weeks when I went into labor with him. And um, my like labor with that, him some was... Some of that is sometimes because even though, yeah, because labor often starts with the weight of the presenting body part, hopefully the head, pressing on the cervix. But because of his alignment, you know, that that positioning wasn't even possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so um, uh, two days before um, going into labor, my OB checked me and she told me, you know, my, your cervix is still very firm. I don't see any signs of you going into labor anytime soon. And. And then when I did go into labor, I did not have any of the signs that I did with my daughter. Like, I didn't have a bloody show. I didn't lose my mucus plug. I did not feel the pressure of his head at all in my pelvis. Um, so I started out with really far contractions. They were really spaced out. And um, about eight hours into labor, I went um, to get checked. And I was only two centimeters dilated. And um, they did a membrane sweep to move things along. And that really kicked things into gear. And the contractions just started being really, really, really painful. And one thing I would say about this labor was, I think this really played a part, a big part in my birth, was that I never really took the time to mentally prepare to have a vaginal birth with him. I prepared a lot the first time, but this time I thought, you know, I had birth before, you know, this is going to be easy. And I had a baby to take care of and I just did not take the time to do that. And I think that's really important. And I think that part of it was that I was scared to give birth um, because that would mean that I would have to live in that big, deep black hole that I lived in for six weeks postpartum. I wasn't really, I, I wasn't easing into the contractions and I wasn't relaxing into them and I wasn't allowing my body to open up in any way. Um, I just remember extreme amount of pain. So the contractions this time felt really different than they did with my daughter. And I think it was because of how weak my muscles were. And so I went to the hospital at night and I progressed really quickly to nine. And then I got stuck at nine from 10 p.m. until about um, three. 
And so, and during this time, um, they did not let me do what I wanted to do at all. They wouldn't let me move around freely. They were like, you're nine centimeters. You have to be in bed now. I'm like, I can't be in bed. That's the most painful um, way for me. And um, they checked me a lot. I had a lot of cervical checks this time. And I remember I refused them a lot uh, the first time. But this time I was really, really weak. I was already weak by the time I went into labor. I was exhausted. I hadn't been sleeping for about a month. Um, my baby was having issues that month. And so I was waking up a lot. And I asked for an epidural. And instead, they gave me a spinal since... Um, they told me that they recommend a spinal, but then I told them I want an epidural. And but then they gave me a spinal, and honestly, I wasn't aware till afterwards. Uh, my husband signed the forms, and he, I guess he didn't really know, and so I could not feel anything at all. And you I told them they were maybe anticipating that you might need a C-section, and and I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You never yeah. told me. Yeah, they never told me why. And as soon as the, I get the spinal, they're like, it's time to push. And I'm like, I'm just nine. You just checked me like 10 minutes ago. And and they said, no, it's time to push. You're complete. And and then his um, his water broke. And I remember, you know, that, you know, his water came, came, um, kept coming out like for hours. It was like nonstop. And and then um, they had me push for like two hours and I couldn't feel anything at all. And then they had two nurses. They had two nurses push really hard on my tummy as well uh, to help him out. And it just didn't work. And he was really high up. I could feel that he was never in the birth canal. And, and then I was really exhausted by 5 a.m. And I was starting to feel the contractions again. And they, you know, they thought they said that I had to get a C-section by now. And it was, you know, it, it wasn't progressing in any way. And I agreed. And um, I was wheeled into the OR. And because of the restrictions, they told me that my husband couldn't come in with me. So I was all alone. And I had to get another spinal. Because I, you know, I had started feeling my contractions again. And I remember that my surgery was very long. I mean, I've heard so many section stories before. Like he came out a little, you know, not he came out quickly, but then it took them about an hour to repair me. So um, afterwards, they took me to, you know, um, to the recovery. And I, Again, they told me that I had to be alone in recovery for about an hour and a half to two hours without seeing my baby or my husband. And and then once uh, they wheeled me into my room, I they finally brought him into me and he was eight pounds, four ounces. Um, my daughter was seven pounds, three ounces. So he was much bigger than her. And... Um, that was the most beautiful um, moment of my life because I never got that with my daughter, you know, holding her as soon as I gave birth. And they told me that he was presenting sideways. His head was presenting sideways. Oh. And that was, so his head was stuck in the birth canal and that's why he couldn't come out. Okay. And I later found out too that he has a really large head. So that was uh, part of it as well. And so um, there begins my long story of very difficult recovery. Um, so I was in the hospital for four days, which was fine. But then two days after I left my hos the hospital, my tummy fell apart. And tell, explain what that means. What, what happened? Um, my muscles completely fell apart to the side, like where, you know, right after surgery, my tummy was really huge, you know, which is very normal with a C-section and it was very, um, soft, but then when it fell apart, it, the middle was very hard. It was 
when you press on it, it's very hard and it felt like it was, you know, herniating, like it was bulging. And then the muscles were completely to the side. And then something fell down also over my pelvis. And so um, I, I, I was so scared. I went straight to the OB like a couple of days later and she told me, yeah, this is your, you know, your tummy had completely fallen apart. Um, you need to have a tummy tuck or to, you know, so you got together. Reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you can only do that after you're done having babies. And it was like, she was telling me the weather is nice today. She just told me that like, right. It was straight up. And, and I just wouldn't have that for an answer. Well, um, you think, don't you think like, I mean, do you think it's bizarre that if you think just in what you know now, what you've learned about the anatomy of your core and how many muscles wrap around your body to hold all your organs in place and to support your spine and to support your pelvis and to support your rib cage and all of the things that your core muscles are, are, are responsible for. And then to get an answer, and this is such a common answer by the medical community, that you just have to live with this not this big gaping hole in your stomach that you just live with it and and then to say oh it's not, probably not connected to back pain or intestinal problems or any of these things it's like it's just it's it's a cosmetic issue i don't understand that like i don't think that when our bodies were designed cosmetics were even a thought right like why would those muscles be there those muscles are structural and how do you function without the structure and, and, and that whole dismissal. And I, I understand why it's sad, but why things are dismissed in the medical community when they don't know. But I really wish we could get to a point where somebody can say, just because I don't know, doesn't mean there's not an answer for you, you know, like, like, yeah, absolutely. Like how can and- we- think we can function without our muscles together and what's even worse than that is that I the other thing they told me was so after about you know three weeks postpartum go on YouTube some find some exercises for your tummy and you know do some abs workouts if it doesn't work for three months around six months go to you know um, go see a surgeon and Um, to me that was like yeah go on youtube even i know i can't go on youtube and, and i don't know who's posting these things right they're, they're... Can post on youtube my my kids can post on youtube like what kind of medical advice is that <laughs> and they didn't even tell me you know go to physical therapy or anything no. they just told me you know figure this out at home of course Back then, I was still newly postpartum. I, I hadn't. I, I was. I was still on a lot of drugs. I hadn't yeah. developed all the symptoms that I did later on. So at around four weeks postpartum, I started developing a lot of symptoms, and this had become chronic for me. It was something that I felt on a daily basis: um, chronic lower back pain chronic hip pain. Um, I couldn't walk for about, until I started core foundations, actually, I could, I, I, I wobbled even worse than I had been when I was pregnant. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't pull my kids under the age of two at this point. Yeah. And um, the hardest part for me was, you know, I, being pregnant with my son, my biggest dream was for me to hold my daughter for the first time in the hospital right after I gave birth without a tummy coming in our way. And I had pictured that moment so many times. But then right after surgery, um, they came to me and they told me, well, you know, your muscles are very weak. You're in no shape to do any you know, kind of extraneous work and you can't hold your daughter for at least four months. 
and they just took that away. And at the time I was in so much pain and with everything else going on, I couldn't take care of her for four months. Um, I, I felt like I was, you know, literally breaking down. I, I was broken at the time because I, like I said, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't walk straight. I and was doing the bare minimum to take care of your son because you're breastfeeding him. And then yeah. your daughter, who's not just over a year at this point. Yeah. You I, um, physically take care of her for four months. Yeah. yeah. I, I um, just, just doing the bare minimum of breastfeeding my baby, my baby was so much work for me physically. I had to go at this time. I had to go to sleep every time he had to, he went to sleep because I was so like, I was so exhausted. I could not, I did not. You were being proactive in self-care. You actually had no other option. Like your body was just fine. Yeah. This time, um, surprisingly, given everything that had happened, I did not fall into depression at all. I, I was on cloud nine. I, I was so elated because um, going through that near-death experience was how I, that's how I described my birth that night. Um, just gave me this, you know, mental shift that, you know, I had to take care of me and that, you know, what I was feeling while I was pregnant, that I was really breaking down and that something was wrong was really happening, you know, that I knew what was going on with me. And if I didn't stand up for myself and, you know, be proactive in taking care of me, then I can't take care of my babies because that was. Because you felt like you almost died during your, your birth. Yeah. Yeah. And I went from, you know, taking care of my baby while I'm pregnant to not being able to take care of her at all just because I wasn't being proactive in taking care of me. And um, this time I made it, um, I made it a goal to shower every single day <laughs> or at least every other day because I went, uh, the first time I, I, I don't even remember when was the last time I showered, to be honest. And I, you know, I made it a goal to, you know, do whatever I can take care of me so I can take care of my babies. Um, obviously, uh, for, you know, most days, it doesn't go that way. But, you know, just... But your mind changed. You, you knew that yeah. it was important, even if you couldn't always, you know, you know, activate all of that, those goals. <laughs> you, you knew that that was a goal. You, you actually could see the value in you taking, and not just the value, the necessity in you taking care of yourself. Where, how many months was your son when you, when you started Core Foundations? Um, so what happened is I, I started Core Foundations in early January um, this year, but then I, I watched two weeks, but then I couldn't really, I couldn't go on. I started taking care of my daughter again. And then we I, had this had really, the first, the first two weeks, you kind of like, that was as yeah. much as you could handle at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't have my splint back then either. And so, um, and then I had this really hard season with the babies, with them getting sick over and over and over again. But what had really helped me during this time was that I continued to have the e-sessions with you. And so even though I wasn't actively doing the course, you know, you were still giving me a lot of, you know, feedback and helping me out. And when did you know, we start, when did you start the e-sessions? Do you remember? I, you, you started, you start, did you start it when you started your course or did you start your course? And no, then it was, at your wall, you kind of did the e-session. I remember, it. I think we started the e-sessions around probably the end of March or okay. in early April. Okay. Um, I wasn't actively doing the course back then. Right. Um, 
you're taking the awareness the first the the first two weeks the first two weeks are awareness and connection and you took that content which did help you even yeah. though you know you, that helped you a lot to understand what you needed to avoid what you needed to be focusing on just on your setting up kind of your your postures and stuff for the newborn care all of that stuff and then you reached out and we started doing e sessions so that you could get some like you you could tell like i'm going to have an extended healing process and i might need support for that <laughs> right yeah yeah you know the after watching the first two weeks and you know hearing you talk about the emotional component of rehab honestly i was really skeptical at first i was like you know you know doing a tummy rub and how that i was like and i remember hearing you know other people on the podcast talk about how they might have cried or how it was really emotional for them. And I I was I was skeptical at first, to be honest. But then I realized that this was a lot more than just a physical journey for me. It was more of a spiritual and mental journey as well. Because, you know, going back on why I had developed such a, you know, um, I never mentioned, but I did start out with an eight finger wide DR. And then after starting core foundations, I went down to a seven and then it stayed at a seven for a very long time. And I had just, you know, um, started the course again. And so I realized that, you know, the hormonal component was really key for me. Um, all those years of stress and depression had really done a lot of damage to my connective tissue, I believe, um, because I was really living in that fight or flight mode most of the time. And yeah. I could tell that my body was really, really high on cardiozole. Like I, I studied psychology, so I know these things. Like I know how, right. you know, um, the physical the component of the emotional stress, yeah. Yeah, and I, I we, we study about this all the time in, in most of my college coursework, you know, how the fight or flight, you know, does a lot of damage to the body. And um, I feel like this year has been really life-changing for me and in shifting my mindset and in really really um you know making peace with my past and then reconnecting and like rewriting my chapter of motherhood because you know my my journey into motherhood was not um that easy and i'm so glad that i had you know i had you to um for support through the course and just it, it's so foundational just changing your posture just you know walking straight just um you know one of the you don't really you don't really know that you're living in a kidney pain position until you're not <laughs> until you're not exactly you don't know what's better until <laughs> you get it back and you're like oh my gosh how was i living without that key piece of uh you know, support in my system. I think the other thing that was really helpful for our, our e-session journey, um, and, and I'm seeing this more with, with clients that are doing kind of a series of, of sessions is that, you know, um, the processing portion, like sometimes we would talk for 45 minutes, just processing you understand where your body is, what your kids need, what your what your mental thoughts about what you should and shouldn't be doing, you know, and then we do like 15 minutes of strategy strategies. And some of them were physical strategies. Some of them are parenting strategies. Some of them were, you know, journaling and mental health strategies. Like a lot of it was really looking at, you know, where, how do you get back to recognizing yourself as a you know a solid you know 
tree that can, you know, reach out and support your family and your community. And one of the things that you shared a couple weeks ago in one of our sessions that you had had this revelation, I think you had the revelation within the e-session that you had been depressed for the last 10 years. And this year, even though it was one of the most physically challenging years of your life, you had no depression. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that you were kind of shocked. You kind of shocked yourself. Um, you're like, I can't, is that right? Is that possible? And, and, you know, there's a lot of components to depression, as you well know, and I'm not going to ever make any false claims about what we do, but I think um, taking uh, that time to nurture yourself and, and I think also um, shifting your expectations of yourself, you know, for this season, not forever. I'm not saying you're never going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, but really honoring where your body was at, what it had been through, shifting the expectations so you didn't feel like you were constantly failing, constantly underperforming, you know, or constantly overwhelmed because your life was pretty overwhelming as it was. You didn't have to add some expectations onto that to make that worse, right? So I yeah. think, and, and you would, you would have battles, you know, over the last several months, sometimes you would like pick up an expectation. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And we talk through, okay, well, what do we really need to be doing now? And what's the priority and why is that a priority? And I feel like that journey um, set the stage for you to, yeah, maybe you haven't gone week by week through our core foundations process, But you've gotten to a point where like, okay, I think I'm ready to start working on the standing stuff. I think I'm ready to start looking at what's going on in my pelvic floor. I think I'm ready to kind of get some upper back strength now, um, you know, because my posture stuff helps, but I also see this. And, And it was kind of like us honoring the time that your body needed to address certain things to not make your rehab journey another component of high expectations that you're you're failing at right yeah and it did take me a long time to recover from surgery I I think the first six months were really hard just without doing any physical demands and then around the six months mark was when I felt like oh I know um I can do things now I can actually you know cook dinner for you know for my family I can actually do things and um you know the the reason why I mentioned these things is because I think it's important um to mention them because culturally we only we always hear about you know what other people are doing that is just way out of reach or that is just not everybody's success story but not everybody's challenge yeah. yeah. And this has been a very humbling year for me in understanding that my body does have limits and I need to respect them because honestly, there were times when I really struggled with those limits and I really wanted, especially with, you know, the pandemic and being um, home for almost two years now, I really wanted to go out and you know engage again with others and um you know be able to pick up my kids and you know load them into the car seats and 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 go places with them but um i had learned the hard way that you know i'm just i just really need to take the time to heal and not really force these things because i was trying to do these things before I had even, you know, gone through the course or had really done, you know, work to heal my core. And um, another thing for me was how, you know, what you mentioned about the grounding. Mm -hmm. I remember I told you before that whenever my daughter had a tantrum, I just felt, you know, so, like, so out of control, like, 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 I don't know how to explain it, but just going through the course again now, it just feel more grounded, like, 
I can handle whatever emotion they throw at me. Well, I mean, um, there's a huge, that's a huge thing that I talk about is, um, you know, and I'm in a totally different season of motherhood than you. I'm, I'm at this season with teenagers and young adults and the emotional demands of that stage um, requires physical strength. And I think the emotional demands of your daughter, who has a lot of emotional needs, she's, she likes her, to make her needs known. Um, you need, you know, you need to be, have a solid strength component, physical strength component to be able to, to kind of weather those kinds of tantrums and storms, right. And not feel like everything sucks the life out of you. And, and seriously, yeah. that comes from core strength. And that's why we call it functional core strength. Not this comes from you doing a bunch of ab exercises. That is not what we're saying, right? It's not about the exercises. It's about connecting to the muscles that stabilize your body. And, and that stability also helps to stabilize your nervous system, that fight or flight situation. It, when your body is feeling constantly unstable, it's like grasping at, at trees, you know, trying to like not fall down a cliff, right? But if you have that solid foundation, then, then your body calms down. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it online with clients. And I've also seen it in the clinic with clients where I can get somebody either lying down or sitting or even standing and they're in the right alignment. They exhale, they engage, and then they feel themselves and their whole body calms down. And, and that's, that's, that's a big deal. And that's, that's the bigger picture of what we do here. And, and it's hard. Like, how do you, how do you put that in a two sentence marketing tagline (laughs) you can't right like you can't really explain the depth of the work that we're doing but I think when when people like you share where you were and and even though you're still in the middle of your journey you know but you you've come so far this has been really a monumental year for you um yeah and it's and it's a year that makes you excited about the next year. Some people will say, "Oh my gosh, it's taking you so long and you're still not healed." But that's not that's not where you're at. You're like, "Look at where I've come and I now feel prepared for the next stage." Um and what's co- to come in that. And that hope and that encouragement is what you know is so key to your mental health, really. Yeah, and I I don't think I've told you this yet, but um I actually started taking off my splint 50-50 sometimes right now. And I never thought I'd get to this stage because, you know, um, yeah. So when I, you know, when I did stop doing the course, I was wearing the splint still though. And that was helping me tremendously. And I think I really needed it at that stage um, just to keep me together. given how wide my DR is. But right now I can actually elongate and engage better without it. Um, you never thought that would happen, right? You never thought that would yeah. happen. I, I remember telling you that I was really worried because I had been wearing it for so long that I didn't think I would get to, like, You're I myself from it. And it just happened. It, like, I, I wasn't, you know... Well, it didn't just happen. You have been steadily doing the work. And even though the work might have been simple um, strategies, the consistency is paying off because your body wants to use this muscle. It just couldn't remember how. And yeah. and you've been diligent in that. Well, yeah, we're going to have to have... We're going to have to have a whole nother e-session or another podcast at some point. I think we're going to wrap up. Is there anything else you want to say at this segment of your story that you want to share with people? And we'll wrap up and then we'll we'll schedule another podcast down the road where we talk a little bit more about kind of your process. Um, well, if I want to say something, it would be for anyone who's listening who hasn't started their healing journey yet or who's you know, just given birth or going through a really tough phase or season in their life, 
you know, I just want them to know that there is hope and, you know, it might really not look like it where you are because that sure did not look like it for me a year ago. And um, there is, you know, there is, there is hope and um, you're not alone. Like we all have, you know, tough seasons and, you know, rainy seasons, but, you know, there is sun on the other side and I'm really hoping that my story would, you know, reach someone out there who's, um, who really needs to hear it right now. And me too. And, uh, there is one other thing that I wish, um, I wish I had known earlier would that would be um, the importance of healing postpartum um, and, and taking whatever time you need, not putting a timeline on it. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I feel like you know this is really missing from the conversation about birth, and um, that I that would make a huge difference for a lot of mothers um, just to be aware of, you know, I wish I had known what a DR was before I got pregnant, you know, and really known what it meant, not just, you know, what, you know, people or what's, you know, culturally widespread about it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to also thank you, Zara, because um, when I first started um, doing more work in the e-sessions after the pandemic and when the clinic, when I shifted to all online, um, so much of my focus was, you know, I have these online courses. They're very comprehensive. They're cost effective. I want to encourage people to do that. I I know that it's expensive for people to do e-sessions and I just want, we, we create all these programs. but Working with you and several other clients with a series of e-sessions has helped me recognize how important that process could be for a lot of people. And as a result, I now offer like discounts on packages and I do hour long packages and I do 30 minute session packages where maybe they just need they just need a real person to check in with them every couple of weeks so they don't feel alone in the process. Because even though the course is really comprehensive, um, people need support. And I was trying to kind of trying to make that decision for people and say, oh, this would be more cost effective for you to do it and, and more comprehensive for you to do it. But I've learned that giving people the choice and the option and and increasing my availability for that has been so important for so many clients. And it's helped me see the value of that to not underestimate the value of me seeing somebody on kind of a recurring basis to help them over a hurdle or through a season. And, um, and, and that, you know, I've learned that from you guys and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, if it hadn't been for our e-sessions, I would have probably stopped a course somewhere. Yeah, just given up. Last year, just because there were times when I really did not have the time to do any of the work. And if it wasn't for, you know, talking to you and, you know, and listening to your advice based on, you know, what my specific needs are, I probably would have thought, you know, this is too much for me. I can't do all the stretches. I can't even do half of them. I'm not going to continue. And yeah, um, yeah I, yeah. I, I understand that sometimes. Make it in bite-sized pieces and you'll be much more successful. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, some the, these are things you can't really add to the course because, yeah. you know, we all have different circumstances. Right. You know? It has to be personalized and one-on-one. Um, and the course does work for so many people. But even with that, just giving people the option to, to check in and, um, and to have that accountability and the one-on-one support. And I think also um, 
sometimes, often, it's hard for people to not feel like I have to do everything she says in the course. Whereas when you meet with me one-on-one, it, it not that you need my permission, but sometimes people feel like they need my permission to not do everything, you know, <laughs> to, you know, and you know, it's just our psychology. It's just how we think. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. It's been delightful as always. I, I really love our time together and I know that, there are people out there that really needed to hear this message in your story. And thank you so much for taking the time to share it with us. Thank you, Kelly. I'm really honored to be here. All right. All right, everybody. Um, I We are going to be taking a little bit of time off the podcast for the month of December. I'm taking December off, but we're going to come back and hit the ground running um, in the new year. And we're excited to share some new things with you in 2022. I hope you guys have a great December, great Christmas time, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to get more information, check out all that we do at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you were meant to live.